Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. The makers of Campbell Fruits present the Campbell Playhouse, Orson Welles, producer. Good evening, this is Orson Welles. Our offering for tonight is The Citadel, a novel by A.J. Cronin an English doctor which achieved great and instant popularity immediately upon its publication and was then made into a distinguished and highly successful picture in England. As with all stories that have a true popular basis, however, the problem with which it deals is not a national one, but is universally human. The struggle of a young doctor who has dedicated his life to the highest ideals of his profession among the harsh realities of the workaday world. As our guest star... Playing the part of Christine, the doctor's clear-eyed wife, we're extremely fortunate in having with us Miss Geraldine Fitzgerald, the most promising of the new talents that has come to the screen from the stage in recent months. In a moment, our story, the citadel begins. But first, Ernest Chappell has a comment to make about a dish that seems to suit just about everybody to a tea. Thank you, Orson Welles, and this dish does suit most everybody, literally to a tea. It's tomato soup, Campbell's tomato soup. In the week just past, millions of families all across the land sat down to enjoy steaming, fragrant platefuls. Some had it as a main dish at lunch, some had it at supper, still others began dinner with it. And just about all of them welcomed Campbell's tomato soup as an old, familiar friend. You know, there isn't any other soup in the world that people turn to with such eager enthusiasm time after time. There's something about the bright, inviting color of Campbell's tomato soup, about its enticing aroma, about its keen, delightful flavor that wins friends and holds them. People like the way this smooth tomato soup awakens the appetite at the first sip, and they like the way it helps satisfy that appetite with each delicious spoonful. That's why Campbell's tomato soup is a frequent choice at so many meals in so many millions of homes. People never seem to tire of its magic, matchless flavor. And today, that flavor is deeper and fuller than ever because this past year, sun and rain joined in making Campbell's tomatoes exceptionally fine and luscious. So, may I remind you, since I'm sure a reminder is all that's necessary, treat yourself and the family to Campbell's tomato soup again soon, won't you? And now, Orson Welles and Geraldine Fitzgerald in the Citadel. It is with extreme pleasure that this university awards you your degree. And with it is our supreme honor, the Hunter Gold Medal, awarded each year to the best student in clinical medicine. In the name of St. Andrews University, I congratulate you.
Good evening. Oh, good evening. I uh, saw a light in the window of your surgery. I, I thought I'd drop in and get acquainted. But my name's Nance, and I'm Dr. Page's new assistant. Oh. Welcome to Berlin Astley. My name's Denny. I'm assistant to your chief competitor. Well, I must say, Manson, you picked a dreary black hole of a town for your first practice. Well, I thought a mining village like this might give me the most experience. Besides, you see, I'm interested in lung work, and I thought among the miners that I might find some interesting cases. As a matter of fact, I've just been examining my first case of Mrs. Williams in, in, in Glider Place. Mm. Chill, fever, headache. Pretty sick, eh? I believe those were her symptoms. And so you prescribed one tablespoon every three hours. I believe under the circumstances. That's a pretty legitimate prescription. As a man from there seemed to be one or two things about this place you ought to know. There's no hospital. No ambulance. No x-ray. No nothing. If you want to operate, you use the kitchen table. You wash up afterwards with a scullery sink. Sanitation won't bear looking at. In the dry summer, the kids die like flies with infantile cholera. You can come to think of it if I were you are. I should look out for typhoid, typhoid. Yes, typhoid. Some of these cases aren't exactly typical. Thank you very much, Dr. Denny. See, I am new, not only to this place. I've, I've not had the proper experience. But these people here need help, and after all, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Thank you. I believe you mean that. Why else would I say it? It's been a long time since I've run into a man like you, Manson. The medical profession doesn't turn them out like that very often. Have a drink. Oh, I thought you wouldn't. But I will. Yes, While you're about it, take a look through that microscope there. Oh, it's a beauty device, isn't it? Yes, it's the only precious thing I have left. But it was a slide, I meant. Hmm? Take a good look. Typhoid, I want. Be shocked without having recognized it himself. That Williams woman has it. I think you've got cases too. Four. All in the same area as yours. The bugs you're looking at come from that well in Glider Place. The main sewer that's to blame leaks like the devil and seeps into half the low wells at the bottom of the town. I've hammered as good as the medical examiner about it till I'm tired. He's a lazy, evasive, incompetent, pious swine. They trust the trunks for anything in case they dock his wretched salary to pay for it. He's got to do something. Yes, yes, that's a good idea. Let's <laughs> let's have a drink. Well, I'll have another drink. That cursed sewer starts leaking anymore. All the isolation and boiling of water won't have a bit. The typhoid epidemic is spread all over the district. That's right. You can write the Ministry of Health. Now we could write a dozen letters, and all we'd get would be a dubbering commissioner down here in six months' time. No, you know, <laughs> I'll thought it all out. There's only one way to make them build a new sewer. Oh. Blow up the old one. Ah. Pretty little sewer, isn't it, eh? No wonder people are dying. It's part of the gangrene. Well, take one last look, Manson. Got a match? Here. Ow. Oh. You're in his run, Holly. Don't you worry about me. Dynamite. Yeah. The last ticket, Dynamite. Quick, quick. The man will come up. Run! 
Matthew. Oh, this feel like we're one of the saviors of Vanessa. <laughs> I think we ought to have a drink. A bottle or two at the very least. How about it, old boy? Sorry, Jenny, but I've got some other work to do. I've been hearing reports of that little schoolmistress. Schoolmistress? Oh, you mean Christine Barlow? I think that's the name. She's been keeping measles cases in her class, and she knows perfectly well they should be isolated. Yes, but look here. You, you know, uh, Christine Barlow is pretty much a law of her own in Brunetti. Oh, she is, is she? Well, I'm going to see about that. It's all very well, and I thought there was only measles to contend with, but this is, this is different. Heaven only knows that she's exposing her children to. I imagine. I, I wouldn't worry about Christine. She's a pretty intelligent girl. Just the same, the law is the law. I intend isolating any suspicious case I find. Whether it's measles or typhoid. All right, children. You're dismissed now. Be back at two. Quiet. Quiet, children. The little ones will stay for their milk. Idris, you sit over there by the fire in the big chair. Here's your milk. The rest of it sit at your regular places. Yes? You, uh... Oh, you're Miss Barlow, the schoolmistress? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm Dr. Manson, Dr. Page's assistant. Oh, won't you come in? Thank you. We're not having school just now. It's our mid-afternoon break. The children are having their milk. Because of the threat of a typhoid epidemic, we're isolating all suspicious cases. Yes, I'm told. And I understand you have a contact here of Idris Howells. But you here. don't understand, Doctor. You don't know the condition in the nesting. These children are starving. When they're well, there's not enough of the right kind of food, and when they're ill, it's, well, it's often fatal. And Idris' brother only has the measles, and if Idris had stayed home, he'd have missed his milk. You must understand, Doctor. It isn't a question of his milk, Miss Barlow. The child ought to be isolated. I have got him isolated in a kind of a way. If you don't believe me, look for yourself. He's all by himself by the fire. <laughs> well, that may be your idea of isolation. I'm afraid it isn't mine. You send that child home at once. Doesn't it occur to you that I'm mistress of this class? You may be able to order people about in more exalted spheres, but here it's my word that comes. You're breaking the law. You can't keep them here. So do I have to report you? Then, then you'd better report me. <laughs> I'll have you arrested. I've no doubt it'll give you immense satisfaction. There's nothing more, is there? Stand up, children, and say good morning, Dr. Manson. Thank you for coming. Good morning, Dr. Manson. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Good morning, Dr. Manson. I, uh, uh... Have you sent to the police yet, Dr. Manson? You see, Idris is still with me. Miss Barlow, I've got to tell you that I'm sorry about that. I ought to be kicked hard. What you're doing about this kid is splendid. I've learned a lesson that... I've learned that sometimes it's better to observe the spirit than the letter of the law, and I'm, I'm sorry to bother you with all this. <laughs> I had to say it. Good morning. Wait, wait, Dr. Manson. I understand. I know just how you felt. I felt the same way at times. Then you don't mind? You, you'll be friends? Of course. And it would... Could I walk home with you? Not far, but if you'd like I'd to. I'd love it. We've had a lot of excitement lately for Blinesley, haven't we? Yes, yes, we, we have. Aren't that sewer blowing up? Quite a coincidence, really. Yes. Dr. Denny's threatened to blow it up so many times. He must be quite pleased, don't you think? But I, I rather imagine he is, yes. I think it is splendid. Splendid of you both. You mean you guessed? Of course. Denny's idea, not mine. I wouldn't have had the courage. You know, I've learned a good deal from him. 
When I came down here, I was full of a lot of formulae and theories of diagnosis that aren't right at all. All I knew were a lot of trick prescriptions that were perfectly harmless, but no earthly good. Fix them up, that's the rule. Even though it's only burnt sugar and soda bicarbonate. Dr. Manson, what are you going to do? What do you mean? With your life. You're not going to go on living in this dirty little village forever, are you? Oh, I've been so busy, I guess I haven't thought much about it. Well, it's not since I left the university. You know, I had so many ideas, and I planned some research on tuberculosis. My thesis, I wrote a paper on innovation. Pretty good it was. Only the other day, I had a letter from a, a remarkable chap in America, Richard Stillman. Who's he? Some well-known doctor over there? You no, know, he's a physicist, really. He runs a clinic for disorders of the lungs near Portland, Oregon. And he, he's really a big man, a wonderful experimental work, some of the finest in the country. And he's had to fight all sorts of opposition. That's the sort of thing I'd like to do. You know, when I get a chance. Get out of the... Get out of room, oh, Sorry, I didn't mean... Oh, I understand. To do some real work for a change, some, some real work where I'm needed, where I can be real news. I was quoting a place the other day over at Aberallo. The medical decided they were looking for a new assistant. If the head doctor's name is Llewellyn, you might try. <laughs> I think I will try. I'm going right home now and apply. They can't do any more than turn me down. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Christina. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you by your first name, Miss Clifton. Oh, but I'd like you to call me Clifton. I'm, I'm at home. I was more used to Chris. Yeah, I like that, Chris. That's good. That suits you. Well, good night. And thanks. Good night. I, uh, uh, good night. Good night. Chris, Chris? Andrew, what's the matter? You're so pale. Oh, Andrew, didn't, didn't you get the job? Well, I got the job. It's the most wonderful job. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, there's, there's, there's big things to be done. There's a hospital there, and I can, I can go on with my research and my lung work, and I'll be right in the thick of things every opportunity to study my cases, a regular beauty of a hospital to get them well in on. Chris, I can hardly wait to begin. You've just seen Aberola all open and, and clean, Chris, with green fields and decent shops and roads and parks and, oh, Christine, actually a hospital if you'd only marry me, darling. I, we can start right away if you'd marry me. Could you? Would you marry me? I, I, I can't get the job if you don't. Is this because of the job, Andrew, or because of me? Oh, it, it's you, Chris. You know I love you, but but you know, I never thought of this. Maybe you don't love me. Oh, but I do, darling, I do. Ever since I saw you walk into that stupid classroom. Darling, darling. Darling. I mean, everything's perfect. But, but, but shouldn't you tell him, I mean, that... that... Oh, well, you see, I, I already have. Oh, Andrew. Well, you said not to let anything stand in my way. <laughs> not anything. <laughs> Look at it, a dining room, a library, a morning room. No wonder they wanted a married man. At least it's well built to be warm. Hello, Christine, what's that? A present from Denny, a wedding present. Denny, that's decent of him. It's probably a joke, though. It'd be just like Denny to send an old shoe down up in a five ribbon. But it didn't. Oh, Andrew. It's in microscope, his precious size. Oh, Chris, I can't accept it. Read the note. What do you think? Where I'm going, there'll be no use for microscopes. For when you get this, Andrew, my lad, be on my way south where I intend to spend my days sitting in the sun now. 
Leave the bacteria and sewers of Wales to you. Good luck. Good. You always going away. Yes, I knew two or three weeks ago. I didn't tell to me. You were self-conscious. You were afraid you'd think he sentimental. You see, he's going to try and get hold of himself. And if he can, he's coming back and he thinks that by that time, perhaps you and he can work out that plan you had for the experimental hospital. He's very keen on that, Andrew. Oh, Jenny, I, I didn't think he cared at all about my idea. I tell you, Chris, this room won't be the library of the morning or anything like that. In honor of Denny, I hereby christen this room the lab. Isn't it wonderful, darling? A real honest-to-goodness laboratory. Uh, and a real honest-to-goodness wife. <laughs> Come here. You know what day this is? Our wedding day? What's your name? Christine Barlow. Christine what? Christine Manson. Shirt back on. Certificate. Here. Say, 
This don't say to do it. No, it doesn't. For 15 years, you men have been getting compensation for an illness you haven't got. I'm not going to do it. You're perfectly able to work, and work you're going to do. Now get out of here before I put you out. All right. I'll get out. But we're all believing you, Doctor. That's what we'll be doing. We'll go to the doctor that gives the certificate. One thing wrong with you, Mrs. Hinch. You should walk. Walk several miles a day. Thank you, Doctor. Then may I have the medicine? There'll be no medicine. Walk. That's the only prescription I'll give you. No medicine? Tain't doctrine, that's what taint. When I don't have my medicine, I know what happens to me. If you won't give it to me, I'll go where I can get it. Or you can get something for your money. Very well, Mrs. Hinch. Everything's gone wrong. Outside of that one night I was called to mine, it hasn't been at all what I thought it would be. I've tried to do what's right. And the hospital, I counted on that hospital. So I know, dear. It's the chief doctor's hospital, not mine, not the company's, not even the workers, but his. Oh, when I think how I started out, Chris. What I was going to do, what I was going to accomplish, what I was going to be. Andrew, we're not going to stay in Welsh mining villages all our lives, are we? Why can't you set up a practice for yourself? Maybe in one Chris. Why not? Maybe you're right, Chris. Why not? Yes, why not? Maybe the system's a shame in London, but at least there you'd have a chance of recognition. Things might be easier. Maybe you'd have more time for research and experience. Oh, risk, darling. But not be sure money, you know, you'd have to take a chance with a poor down at the heel Scotch doctor. <laughs> I don't know how I'd make out in the city. I'm pretty much a country lout. Maybe I'm only fit for slogging around in the slush and turning over dirty blankets and collecting fleas. That's not true. You know it. All right. All right. If you've got faith enough, then I have. Chris, it won't be easy, but still... Yes, I... I believe I can do it. You are listening to Orson Welles in the Campbell Playhouse presentation of The Citadel, starring Geraldine Fitzgerald. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Twelve shooting sixty. Fourteen shooting seven. Three shillings for piercing the lady's ears this morning. Well, Chris, that's our week's receipts. Fourteen shillings. It's not much, darling, but it's more than last week. We've only been in London three months. You can't expect to make a fortune overnight. Heaven knows, Chris. Heaven knows how we live on fourteen shillings. We've got to somehow. We will, darling. I think need to look well and impress patients. They can't know as bad off as we are. You've got to spruce things up, Chris, and economize. Economize? Don't I always economize for you? Do I cost you any... Chris, now... I'm sorry, no, Andrew. It's this house. I didn't realize that basement, the stairs, the... Dirt. Yes, oh, Andrew, I didn't realize what London was like. It's so no. squalid and mean. Chris, darling. I know, I know. I won't say anything ever again. Only, only, Andrew, London isn't what I thought. Not at all what I thought. I'll make money for you. You'll only, only give me time, darling. That's not it. We've never had money and we've been happy. But there's no warmth here, no friendly. Darling, we, we, we haven't had a chance to find out what London's really like. It's just that 
I want a place with a garden and some trees like we've always dreamed about. Martin Rich and Successful have a great house in the country where you can... <laughs> what are you laughing at? Just imagine you rich and successful. I suppose you think that won't happen. Well, it will. And pretty soon, too. We're beginning next week. Next week? Thursday night, darling. We're invited to dinner. It's our big chunk. I ran to a fellow yesterday that I used to know pretty handsome. I'm an up-and-coming doctor in the West End, swank offices, big practice, you know. He's done well for himself in London. I used to pal about it in the early days, and he insists we come over Thursday night. Oh, I knew you'd go. It's nonsense. We, we need to get out, the two of us, away from ourselves, make friends, be good. Say, it's lucky I bought myself that dinner jacket. So what about you, Chris? What do you wear? We'll have to get you a new dress. A new dress? Nonsense. What I need is a new gas cooker. Thank you, Freddy. Why do you want to miss this brandy? 8094, absolutely no nonsense about it. Have some more, Ira. Oh, just a spot. Thank you. By the way, I, uh, I bought myself one of those new... A radium lamps today. Uh, I don't think much of expensive apparatus. It's got to be paid for before you show a profit. And besides, the date loses its vogue. Honestly, old chap, you'll find nothing to beat the good old hypo. You certainly <laughs> use it, Dr. Ivory. Yes, you know, you know, it's interesting. If I prescribed the same thing as a powder, it wouldn't cut one guinea's worth of ice. But give it hypodermically, swabbing up the skin, sterilizing, and all the rest of the game, and the patient thinks it's all very scientific and smart, and you can double your fee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they call in Dr. Friedman here to consult in there. Triple fee. <laughs> I don't quite understand. You mean you and Dr. Ivor and Dr. Friedman consult one another about patients? You mean you split fees? Oh, no, sir. to him. You know, you don't know more about this game, Manson. With some patients, the more doctors, the better. It impresses them. And they're sure they really are sick. You'll learn in time, the more money you charge, the more doctors you call in to consult, the more patients you'll get. Oh, I certainly look at old Lady Raven. <laughs> Andrew, you ought to come up with me sometime. You've no idea what a gold mine old girl's been to us. We've taken, well, we've taken nuggets out of her, haven't we, Ivory? Yes, and believe me, she's grateful, too. <laughs> Bring me up sometime, Manson, I'll take you up. It'll flatter her, and, uh, well, it'll mean five guineas to you. Well, now, what do you say, uh, gentlemen, if we uh, join the ladies and drop over to the 400 Club? I've reserved a table over there. It's a jolly good show. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd like that. I think I'd, I think I'd better dance with Chris. You know how it is, Freddie. Oh, I say, you can dance with your wife any time. Our sponsor is Lauren. She can do more for you than anybody else in London if she takes a fancy to you. My boy, at this time in your career, you can't waste any time on sentiment. The right people, that's the whole thing. Francis? Yes, Freddie? A dark, handsome gentleman is pining away because he hasn't the courage to ask you to dance. <laughs> oh, I do a dark, handsome man. I should be delighted, Dr. Nelson. I'm sure Dr. Nelson doesn't think we're all quite mad. <laughs> no, Mrs. Lawrence, I, I assure you it's just that I... 
Might as well be honest. I'm a bit new to your sort of people. My practice has been made up mostly of Welsh miners and paddings and boarding housekeepers. Oh, I think it's delightful of you to be honest. But surely not enough that you don't intend to spend all your days in, in paddings. And you don't mind my saying this, do you? Not at all. I appreciate your interest. Oh, perhaps I can help you. If you'll forgive me, I'm not without influence, and I know London very well. The London <laughs> From what Freddie tells me, and what I can judge for myself, I think you go far, Dr. Manson. And I'd like to feel that I, uh, well, in some measure or other, I contributed to your success. Oh, I'm trying to You see, there's a little difference, really, between charging a shilling in Paddington and five guineas in Mayfair. It's all a matter of appearance. Well, that's where I shan't come off at all. I should suggest moving from Paddington, Dr. Manson. Perhaps rooms in Welbeck Street, a car, and, uh, and most important of all, a good tailor. I suggest Rogers and Conduit Street. I assure you, Mrs. Lawrence, that it's impossible on my income. I shall see that you get patients that will make it possible, Dr. Manson. <laughs> Doctor Chap, Chris, it's been a wonderful evening. Oh, now look here, Chris, what's wrong? Well, you see, everything, food, the furniture, the way they talk, money, money, all the time, and the way that Mrs. Lawrence looked at me. <laughs> it's actually funny when she realized what a nobody I was. Oh, holding the shit. I'll make money for you, Chris. I'll buy plenty of expensive clothes. Freddie, you don't. I don't telling me. I don't want money, and I hate expensive clothes. Darling, please, don't kiss me, Andrew. I love you, Andrew. When you're like this, you I seem to be with a stranger. Oh, all right, my God, if that's the way of it. I'll, I'll show you I can get out of this hole. You won't have to worry about clothes or your cook stove. I'll make money. You'll see. Good morning, Mrs. Everett. I'm uh, Dr. Manson. Oh, good morning, Doctor. I asked you to call on the recommendation of Mrs. Lawrence. I, uh, I think perhaps you might suit me. Uh, I shall do my best, Mrs. Everett. I... Mrs. Lawrence says you're a very brilliant young man. Thank you. I... And, uh, sure. Dr. Manson, I do dislike bills. Uh, would you object to my paying in advance? I never pay more than one guinea a visit. Is that all right? Uh, uh, oh, uh, that's quite all right, Mrs. Everett. Quite all right. Now, if you'll uh, permit me. You know, Manson, I'm glad you chucked your old dog in the manger, holy willy attitude. You know, a doctor can make a pretty good thing out of London these days if he's, well, if he's willing to play along. Well, uh, you know, I've got an idea that you and Ivy and I could work out something really worthwhile. Make some real money, man. What do you say to drop round to my office one afternoon this week and talk it over? Well, I, I'd be glad to. I, I'd say... There's a favor I'd, I'd like to ask you to share it case. Oh, I say another one, Manson? You know, for a fellow who's only been in London a few months, you've suddenly loaded yourself down with those. This is a rather special case. The girl has TB, left, left apex, primary stage, of course, is pretty bad. I wonder if you'd, if you'd arrange to have her taken to Victoria Chest Hospital. Oh, well, of course, anything for a friend. I'll bring her up. Fine. And afterwards, why not drop into the Ritz and uh, we have a drink? I'm sorry, I've got an appointment to see Richard Stillman. Stillman? You know, the American health expert he's in town for this. Oh, the uh, quack. Well, he's... That is quite a big man in America. Yeah, so I, I'd be very careful that if I were you, Manson. You know, in your position, it isn't too good to be seen with men of that type. And uh, you're just at the point where the wrong connections can ruin you, old boy. Just uh, think it over. Dr. 
Yes. Ah, the dinner party, Mrs. Lawrence. Oh, this stupid affair. She has some people there, she felt I should know. Turned out to be a good thing, too, I think. Really? Yeah. Well, oh, we can't complain, eh, Chris? I like it was in the old days. We used to sit and wait, counting up the hours before patients would show up, hmm? And we're getting the things we wanted, Chris. And we'll have a lot more. I want to buy you things. Spurs, clothes, a car. I want you to be like other women. Andrew, do we really want to be rich? I know I don't. When we didn't have any money at all, we were deliriously happy. Can't say we are now, you know or not. After years of tramping about in slush, eating sausage and soused herrings, taking dog abuse from picketed committees and attending minors' wives in dirty back bedrooms, I should think you'd welcome a change, if not for your sake, then for mine. Oh, if only I could make you see. Andrew, you're falling victim to the very system you used to attack. Don't you remember how we used to speak of life, you and Lenny? That it was an attack on the unknown, an assault uphill, as though you had to take some castle that you knew was there but couldn't see, way on the top. And I prefer the romantic nonsense to your talk now. Checks, money, or fees, I hear nothing else anymore. How much you made off this patient or that one. That check Dr. Ivory sent you for that operation, for instance. What did you do? Nothing. Yet you were paid merely for standing by. I don't care what you call it, Andrew, if you take it. Underneath, it's cheap and grasping and dishonest. It's changed you. I can see it day after day. You're a bit different. A little harder, a little cleverer. You're not the Andrew Manson I married. Oh, darling, darling, don't sell yourself. The last time, Christine, I wanted to start making a neurotic fool of yourself. Can't you be a help to me instead of a hindrance nagging me every minute of the day, darling? I, don't... I haven't nagged you. I've wanted to speak before, but I haven't. Well, then don't. You hear me? Don't. You, you talk as if I was some kind of a dirty crook. I only want to get on, darling. If I want money, it's only as a means to an end. People judge you by what you have. If you're one of the have-nots, you get ordered about, well, I've had enough of that in my time. In the future, in the future, I'm going to do the ordering. Now, do you understand? Yes. Yes, Andrew. I'm afraid I do. starry sky. Ah. You know, the, the best way to get to like this great country is to go abroad. Kenny, how are you? I'm fine. But, say, I haven't made a mistake, have I? This well-dressed gentleman is Dr. Manson, isn't he? No other. Come on in, then. How about a bottle of ale? I'll bring some, Andrew. Well, how about your back? I hope you're going to settle down, Danny. After all, you're on the right side of 40 and Oh, boy, with your talent. Oh, don't be so smug, Professor. I may still show you a few tricks one of these days. What are you going to do? I've just been appointed surgical registrar of the South Hertfordshire Infirmary, 300 a year and pound. I don't know how they gave me the job. It must be another case of mistaken identity. Sure, I'm so, boy. Only a first-class degree like that will get you anywhere. Here's your ale, gentlemen. Christine, what have you been doing to me? He don't sound like the bloke that blew up that sewer with me. Uh, you're not joining us, Chris? No, you must want to talk over old times. And I know you want to explain to Andrew the scheme you were speaking of to me. Scheme? What scheme, darling? You tell him, Danny. I'll answer the phone. All right. Manson, you remember the great theories you used to spout in Brunetley? About tuberculosis hospitals? Yes. Special hospitals? Away from the dust and noise of cities? Of course I do. Well, I have been talking to Stillman. You know him? Yes. 
The more I talked with him, the more I realized how practical his ideas are. That's one reason I took this job in South Hertfordshire. You see, I, I thought that you and I and Mr. Yes. Tillman... Andrew, it's Mr. Higgins on the phone. The little oh, boy is very ill. Could you go over? Of course, uh, Danny, old boy, you put up with it tonight. Sorry, I've got to get back to my job or else they might change their minds. I can't afford that. Well, it, it's been awfully good to see you. And sometime, uh, Chris and I run out and visit you just as soon as I can find a free afternoon. Yes, do I? I'd like to have you look the place over. See you soon, then. Christine. Uh, you're worried, aren't you? Oh, could you tell? Well, I, I wouldn't worry too much. I guess we all go through this period. And we'll be all right. Mrs. Higgins, an operation is absolutely necessary. Johnny shows a cystic condition which will have to be removed. I'll see what I can do about getting him into a ward at once. Oh, well, I don't want that, Doctor. We're not well off people, but we've a bit put by in a sort of private room and a good surgeon. Well, I'll see if I can arrange our friend of mine, Dr. Ivory, perform the operation. Do whatever you say, Doctor. I'm trusting in you. Your wedding room is ready, Dr. Harvey. Dr. Gray is waiting for the anesthetic. Yes, thank you, nurse. Well, Manson, soon be over. Let's see, just 10.30. I have time to drop in on Lady Rayburn before lunch. Oh, here's our patient. Morning, young man. Johnny. Hello, Dr. Manson. Dr. Manson, you're not going to hurt me, are you? Oh, I'm not going to hurt you. Just lie still, darling. You're just going to just sip a mask over your face. I won't hurt you at all. You're right, then, Doctor. Thank you. Don't be frightened, Johnny. Here, you sit it on. That's the mask. That's a good boy. Now breathe deeply. That's the boy. Breathe as you can. That's it. Breathe. Everything's ready, Dr. Rogers. Johnny. Johnny, can you hear me? Johnny. How's he taking the Ethan Gray? He's gone under, Dr. Rogers. Thanks, sir. Good. All right, now we get to work. Come here and cover the patient, nurse. Yes, sir. Ready, nurse? Nice case. I'm too frightened, Mrs. Lewinsky. Dr. Ivers is very famous, sir, and I'm sure Andrew wouldn't have recommended him unless he was the best. I yeah, know, I know. But Johnny looks so white. It was almost a little clean, Mrs. Higgins. You mustn't worry. Dr. Ivory, if you've got the cyst. Sand, please. Fart. Swab, please. Ivory, but... I haven't said do something. Dr. Ivory is hot. The boy's going. Quickness. That's a stimulant. Ivory, can't you do something? I'm afraid there's not much use. He's going fast. Where's that hypo? Hypo, nurse. Quick. There's no use, Doctor. He's gone. Oh. Very unfortunate. I <clears throat> rather imagine it was the shock, don't you? Well, uh, I'm sorry, Nancy. You know, I never dreamed that sister was hemorrhagic. But all these things happen in the best regulated circles, you know. Of course, we have... He didn't die on the table. I finished before that, so it's all right. There's no necessity for an inquiry. Why don't you stop talking, Ivan? What's the use? 
No, you killed her. The worst botch of an operation I've ever seen. You're not a surgeon, you're a butcher. Then I science. watched the whole thing. Of course, it was a tight place, but I've seen plenty of surgeons. Fellas in mining villages operating on kitchen tables who could do better. You, you couldn't reach the ligatures, and without thinking or caring or, or knowing, you cut the fist. Any fool should have known better than that. There was no excuse for his dying, and you know it was a very straightforward operation. I don't recommend that line of talk, Manson. You don't. I know you don't. It's the truth. All the cases I've given you up to now have been child play, but this is the first real case we've had. Pull yourself together, you hysterical fool. You'll be heard. What if I am? You know it's the truth as well as I did. You bungled it. You bungled it so much that that boy's death is just plain murder. <laughs> Thank you. 
the text of the case of E. The patient, Florish Schmidt, suffering from tuberculosis, was admitted to the wards of Dr. Frederick Hampton at the Victoria Chest Hospital on July the 18th. There she remained under the care of Dr. Hampton until August the 15th, when Dr. Andrew Manson took her to a private institution by the name of Wickham, which purports, I believe, to undertake the cure of pulmonary disorders and is conducted by a certain Mr. Stillman, an unqualified person and, I understand, an alien. Dr. Manson, is this a fair statement of the charge against you? It is. Then, Dr. Manson, what have you to say in your own defense? Sir, have you heard of Louis Pasteur? Yes, yes, who hasn't? Exactly, who hasn't? You're probably aware of the fact, but perhaps you will allow me to remind you that Louis Pasteur, the greatest figure of all in scientific medicine, was not a doctor, not a qualified doctor. That was Ehrlich, the man who gave medicine the best and most specific remedy in its entire history. That was Metchnikoff, inferior only to Pasteur and his greatness. And it was Hafkind who fought the plague in India. Forgive me for reminding you of these elementary facts, sir. They may show you that every man fighting disease who hasn't got his name on the register isn't necessarily a knave or a fool. Yes, yes, yes. These are illustrious names we know. Surely you don't compare Stillman with them? Why not? They're only illustrious because they're dead. Virchow laughed at Koch in his lifetime, abused him. We don't abuse him now. But we abuse a man like Stillman, who's done more for medicine than thousands of men with degrees, men who ride about in motor cars and charge their fees free as air. Dr. Benson, do you realize what you're saying? I do. I know I'm speaking more strongly than I should, but I can't help it. What I'm saying has got to be said. If we go on trying to make out that everything's wrong outside of the profession and everything is right within, it means the death of scientific progress. We'll just turn into a tight little trade protection society. It's high time we started putting our own house in order. And I don't mean the superficial things either. Go to the beginning. Think of the hopelessly inadequate training doctors get. Gentlemen, when I qualified, I was more of a minister society than anything else. All I knew was the names of a few diseases and the drugs I was supposed to give them. I couldn't even lock a pair of midwifery horses. Anything I know, I've learned since then. <laughs> How many doctors do learn anything beyond the ordinary rudiments they pick up and practice? They haven't got time for devils. They're rushed off their feet. That's where our whole organization is rotten. We ought to be arranged in scientific units. There ought to be compulsory postgraduate classes. There ought to be a great attempt to bring science into the front line. To do away with the old bottle of medicine idea. Give every practitioner a chance to study and cooperate with research. And what about commercialism? The useless, money-chasing treatments, the unnecessary operations, the crowds of worthless pseudo-scientific proprietary preparations we use. Isn't it time some of these things were eliminated? The whole profession is far too intolerant and smug. Structurally, we're static. We never think of advancing, ordering our system. We say we'll do things and we don't. For years, we've been bleating about the sweated conditions under which our nurses work. The wretched citizens, we pay them well. They're still being sweated, still being paid. Sentences. That's just an example. I know I've made plenty of mistakes, and bad mistakes in practice. And I regret them. 
But I make no mistake with Richard Stillman. And I don't regret what I did with him. Three months ago, that girl sitting there was dying of tuberculosis in Dr. Hampton's Victoria Chest Hospital. I took her away. I sent her to Stillman. And gentlemen, in these three months, Stillman cured her. If you want any justification of my infamous conduct, I give it to you in the person of Flora Smith. The counsel has heard your testimony, Dr. Lentz. While it deliberates the case, I must ask all strangers to withdraw. Oh, Chris. I made a silly fool of myself again. I wish you'd declamatory fool. Should have been a stump orator, not a doctor. It's all I'm good for. You've spoken the truth, and that's all that matters, Andrew. Don't you see, whatever the verdict is, it doesn't matter any longer. You've been true to yourself, and that's the most important thing of all. Andrew Manson? Yes, sir. Andrew Manson, the counselors of the opinion that you are acting in good faith and were sincerely desirous of complying with the spirit of the law, I have to inform you accordingly that the council has not seen fit to direct the registrar to erase your name. Dr. Andrew Manson. Chris. Chris, I've won, did you hear? I've won. I knew you would, darling. Well, I can get on with my job, Chris, my real job. I know, the castle, way up on the hill that you can't quite see, that you've got to take. And we'll take that castle, too, Chris. You and Danny and Stillman and me. We'll build that hospital I've dreamed about. We'll do the things that ought to be done. Doesn't it sound crazy to you, Chris? Stark, staring man. Yes, darling. But it's the crazy things that matter. That's the word, Chris. And this does matter. It matters a lot. I've been listening to Orson Welles and Geraldine Fitzgerald in a Campbell Playhouse presentation based on the novel by A.J. Cronin, The Citadel. Mr. Wells and his guests will be back with us in just a moment. Meanwhile, I have a guest with me who wants who to... simply wants to say, Mr. Chapel, that Campbell's tomato soup is a family standby in our home and made as cream of tomato with milk added. Campbell's tomato soup is just a grand way to give my small child more milk. Its sunny color is so attractive to it, and its flavor is so nice. He just spoons up his bowl full in no time, I can tell you. Oh, thank you. And I'd like to repeat that last point of yours to every young mother listening. Campbell's tomato soup, prepared as cream of tomato with milk added, is indeed a big help in solving the problem of how to give a child more milk. Have you tried it? And have you Campbell's tomato soup on hand? And now here's Orson Welles, who will present our guest star to you. Thank you, Mr. Chappell. And now, Geraldine, what would normally be said at this time goes like this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to introduce, and so on, which under the circumstances is a pretty silly way to be carrying on. Uh, Geraldine Fitzgerald, ladies and gentlemen, and your obedient servant are old friends from Mercury. I'm glad you brought me out, Orson. Good evening, everybody. I hope you'll forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, but I can't help reminding our guests of the evening of Heartbreak House. I can't help remembering it. It's not entirely painful to me to recall that our Mercury production of the Shaw play was a success, and I wonder now if the audience outside of New York knows how very considerable 
was uh, your success in that play, Geraldine. We were so happy and proud to be able to persuade you to come to New York from Ireland to play Ellie Dunn with us. I tried not to make it too obvious that I was just as happy as you were. This is getting to be terribly sentimental, but Geraldine, do you remember that opening night where I took you by the hand and brought you out on the lawn in front of Heartbreak House? The most wonderful opening night I've ever had, Austin, or ever expect to have. And so much has happened to your career since that night two years ago, Geraldine. We've all followed your rise to stardom as if you were a member of our own family, as of course you are. Your first picture with Merle Oberon, Wuthering Heights, and then Dark Victory with Betty Davis. And now your first starring vehicle, A Child is Born. Awesome. Do you want to know something that's made me very, very happy? I certainly do. But it just occurred to me how wonderful it is that I've made my first appearance in a full-length presentation on the air on the Canberra Playhouse with you. My first theatrical appearance in New York, my first full-length appearance on the air. Thank you very much, Awesome. We here on the Canberra Playhouse thank you very much. You've got to promise us here and now that you'll be back soon again. I will. I promise gladly. Can't imagine better news. Thank you. Again, Geraldine, and good night. Good night, Austin. Geraldine Fitzgerald, of course, was Christine. Everett Sloan was Dr. Ivory. Ray Collins was the rector. Mary Taylor with Mrs. Lawrence. Edgar Barrier was Dr. Friedman. Georgia Backus, Mrs. Higgins. George Kalouris, Dr. Denny. And Mr. Robert Coop was Dr. Fred Hampton. Her obedient servant played uh, Andrew. And that's the next week. Next Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, our offering will be our version of one of the most famous motion pictures that has ever come from Hollywood, a picture that is certain to be on everybody's list of the ten best pictures ever produced. It happened one night. As our guest stars in parts that still remain clear in all of our memories, though there have been a hundred carbon copies of them since their first presentation, we are very pleased to be able to announce Mr. William Powell and Miss Miriam Hopkins. Mr. Powell, one of the most famous players of our time, is in particular no stranger to the Campbell Playhouse audience. Nor is Miss Hopkins, who has won enduring distinction in the theater, the films, and on the air. And so, until then, next Sunday, and it happened one night, my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us here in the Campbell Playhouse remain, as always, Obediently yours. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.